0: Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And this is Trendline. We're recording this on the evening of Sunday, October 20th, and we're here to talk about Nick's final numbers of the campaign. It's extremely important that you know that we're recording this on Sunday and not Monday. Uh, Nick, why don't you talk about the Canada Elections Act?
1: Yeah, the other thing, Michael, that's quite critical is that we are talking about a poll that was released on Sunday. So this mm-hmm. is not a new poll. If you're, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, this is not a new poll. This is, we won't call it old, but it's the Sunday poll that was released on Sunday. So we did the whole survey on Sunday and actually released mm-hmm. on the same day because uh, the way the Elections Canada rules work, no new surveys can be released on Election Day. So we're all clear on that front.
0: We are not undermining democracy. Please do not throw us in jail. These are Sunday's numbers reported on Sunday.
1: You sound a little nervous.
0: I'd like to say- (laughs) I'm a little nervous. As a guy who's
1: done polling in a whole bunch of elections, (laughs) I'm not nervous at all. We're all good. We're good.
0: (laughs) You're you're giving me, you're making me calm. You're you're filling me with confidence. Thank you. So Nick, the final numbers, please tell us, what are they?
1: So- This is a survey that was exclusively done in one day, so this is not a three-day track. This is a one-day snapshot uh, of opinion. Mm. It was done on Sunday the 20th and released on the 20th. We have the Conservatives at 32.5, Liberals 31.7, NDP 20.8, Block at 7.2, Green 6, People's Party at 1.5. So those are the final numbers. And in our experience, the numbers that are on Sunday... That are part of the Sunday sample or the Sunday piece of work are usually the ones that are closest to the actual outcome because the, d- the numbers sometimes are different on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to an election.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a huge difference. It looks like in some places, and especially uh, we've seen a big dip for the uh, Green Party.
1: Yeah, actually, what's interesting is that the you know big bite Green. Per- you know green terms because the the reality is they've been at around 9 10% we have we've had them drop to 6% on the last day of the campaign mm-hmm. uh, coincidentally with that negative pressure on the on the green party there's been a little bit of an uptick you know the parties that are up actually the new democrats are up the liberals are up and the conservatives are up a point while the people's party is down one point so even though a lot of this movement is within the margin of error for the survey. There's actually a certain level of logic and coherence uh, where it looks like the movement is between progressive parties or between uh, center-right or right-wing parties. So, uh, so, it's, so I think for some voters on Sunday, they're kind of looking at the way things are and thinking, I want my team to win, and uh, they kind of moved over to one of the top three, at least, parties.
0: Now, when we talk about vote efficiency, I mean it's one thing to have numbers, national poll numbers, but how does that translate into how many actual seats in the House of Commons a party can get? So in you know, in, in terms of these national numbers, who do you think is in the best position tomorrow to translate this stuff into actual wins and ridings?
1: Yeah. So we've we've statistically modeled seventy three thousand polling stations actually. We I just just before this call I was crunching. Mm-hmm. It's like a million calculations that's done. It's kind of cool, kind of like those chicka, 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 things, you know, <laughs> bells and whistles happening, where we're doing like yeah. a million million calculations and estimates on seventy three thousand polling stations, um, mm-hmm. and it looks like at least right now that uh, uh, the liberals have uh, a marginal advantage in terms of the number of seats. We have them in, in like one hundred and thirty to one hundred and forty. Uh, the Conservatives, 115 to 125 for thereabouts. The, the block in the green at, you know, between, you know, 35 and 40-ish. And uh, the other interesting thing is, uh, you know, we still have, just think the night before the election, we still have 19 ridings uh, that are too close to call, that like 2% wow. or less, and another 60 that are also too close to call, between two, a, a margin of between two and seven uh, percent. So, you know, even when you look at those top numbers for the parties that I just talked about, um, there's still a significant level of volatility. And this is where the ground game comes into play, right? We're go, we're mm. in we're in full-on warfare. What we call it, guerrilla mm-hmm. warfare. It's like block by block. It's kind of like uh, I won't name a city, but it's kind of like those really bad urban sieges that we hear about in the Second World War, where opposing forces are fighting kind of apartment building to apartment building and block by block Mm -hmm. and street by street we're there now in this election campaign with the get out the vote the big question is who's got the best team on the ground we don't know that actually we'll find out probably tomorrow night who has the best team on the ground and uh, that'll make a big difference in terms of the actual outcome of this election
0: so nick i have to ask Uh, Is there any chance tomorrow we will see anyone win a majority government?
1: Well, with both of the front-running parties at around 32% or thereabouts, the likelihood of a majority government is low. There's a greater likelihood that there'll be some type of minority government.
0: So uh, you've also got preferred PM numbers, uh, correct, on Sunday?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what you is know,
0: your what is your sort of ultimate leadership breakdown, the, the final report card, if you will?
1: Oh, well, the final report card? Well, the final report card still has uh, Justin Trudeau as having an advantage on, uh, on the preferred prime minister front in the one day... Oh, let me just flip. You know, uh, would you like to visualize something? I have papers sure. stre- <laughs> strewn all over the Nanos boardroom downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I look like an absent-minded professor. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been pulling out my hair, but I'm uh, now just looking at the uh, the Sunday numbers for preferred prime minister Justin Trudeau thirty point five, Andrew Shear twenty six point four, Jugmeet Singh nineteen point seven, Unsure thirteen point two, Elizabeth May four point six, Blanchet four point one, Maxime Bernier one point five. So interesting twist here is that mm-hmm. uh, you know we have a statistical tie. An absolute statistical tie between the Conservatives and the Liberals in the ballot support, Uh, but uh, the Liberals have uh, a little bit of an advantage factoring the margin of error on uh, Preferred PM. Hey, you know what I forgot to mention? Mm -hmm. We we should talk for a second about margin of error, and I don't want to kind of geek out on your listeners. but
0: Yep. No, no, that's what we're here for. To be geeks? Yeah. Go for okay. It. Okay. Well,
1: anyway, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but anyways, so <laughs> so think of it this way. So when we say that, for example, the conservatives are have are at 32.5 percent, the margin of error for that survey is a little over plus or minus three percent. Which means when they're at 32.5, that means they could be at as high as 35.5, or mm-hmm. as low as 29.5. And then for the liberals, same thing applies. They could be as high as 34.7 uh, or as low as 28.7 or thereabouts. So you have to think of these ranges. So when you actually look at the numbers, it is possible for the Liberals to win by six points or the Conservatives to win by six points just because it's so tight and when you uh, factor the margin of error. So you got to keep that in your back pocket when you're looking at the numbers.
0: Uh And I always have to ask uh, BC, are we, I mean, we've said this over and over again. I'm assuming, yes, we will have a very late night tomorrow on Monday night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like shout out to British Columbia for keeping us up late. So, but it'll be very (laughs) exciting. We still have a three-way tie in uh, British Columbia between the liberals, the conservatives and the new Democrats. Quebec actually has been, has seen the most dramatic movement in the last five to seven days. Um, mm-hmm. like seven days ago, the liberals were ahead in the province of Quebec. Last night we had the block, uh, start to pull out a little bit of a lead. We could see, we could see just to kind of uh, recap that siege mentality. We could see just picture the picture an image of the province of Quebec. And then there's the Island of Montreal, which will be red or mostly red. There'll mm-hmm. be, I think there might be one NDP seat and a few block seats, but mostly red and then think of that surrounded, potentially surrounded by block seats all the way around, depending on how these vote splits work. So, uh, you know, talk about a siege. There, they, maybe maybe the Federalists in and uh, in, on the island of Montreal would need some kind of liberal land bridge <laughs> to the rest of Canada <laughs> to kind of connect them to the rest of us, because they're going to be. It looks if if this trend holds up, there's going to be a chock a block of uh, of of new members in the House of Commons, led by Yves Blanchet and uh, mm. under the Bloc Québécois banner.
0: Who would you say are the winners and losers of this campaign?
1: Well, officially there will be a winner, either the either the Conservatives or the Liberals that will be declared a winner. But I would say that the two winners in this campaign, bigger winner winners, I would say, would have to be either Jugmeet Singh. Uh, and I'd also put Yves Blanchet in that, in the uh, from the Bloc Québécois, because they both had excellent campaigns. Their personal numbers and their personal brands improved over the course of the campaigns, especially right after the leaders' debate. And uh, mm. and it looks like for Yves Blanchet, he's going to be back in the game because he will pick up seats. The question is, how big will that Bloc surge be? And for Jugmeet Singh, although he will uh, not necessarily get as many seats as he did last time. He's in the zone. And I think if you're a New Democrat, you're probably saying, hey, that Singh guy, he did pretty good in that campaign. And uh, there could be potential there. And I think a lot of Canadians like what they saw from, uh, from the New Democrats, and they also like what they saw from Jugmeet Singh uh, in terms of uh, his performance on the campaign.
0: Nick, I can't believe I'm saying this, but what is your final election campaign takeaway?
1: I'd, I'd like to take a nap. Oh, sorry. Do you mean related <laughs> to the content? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, I think we've got a campaign. I think. Well, the final takeaway is uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, even though there will be a winner, we have to remember that in this fir- in our first past the post system, that mm-hmm. a party can win the popular vote and lose the election because they don't win as many seats. And I think what I'm going to watch out for is maybe the conservatives. Win the popular vote, and perhaps the Liberals win more seats. And you know, for a lot of average Canadians, they're not experts in the Westminster system, where they know mm-hmm. that the uh, where you know whoever the sitting Prime Minister is at dissolution gets first shot to to form a government, and uh, it could it could cause for a little bit of a uh, little bit of confusion because I think for most people they think if you won the most number of seats or if you win the popular vote you should have a shot at uh, at forming some sort of government in the House of Commons. So why don't we just say, let's watch out for confusion potentially uh, on election night in terms of the rules and the potential outcome.
0: Nick, as always, thanks very much. And where can we find you?
1: Oh, I'll probably be sleeping in about an hour or so, so you probably won't be able to reach me. But if you need to reach me online, uh, best place On Twitter, at N-I-K, Nick Nanos, and on the web at www.nanos.co.
0: And I'm on Twitter, at Michael Siddle. Nick, please take a well-deserved nap.
1: Yes, but I have to wake up early to go to CTV to do interviews.
0: Right. Right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. This episode was produced by Trevor Coral, Jesse Taharelli, and Phil Hahn. Sound editing was done by Jesse Taharelli. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Trendline is hosted by Nick Nanos and myself, Michael Stittle. As always, thanks for listening.